Here comes Melvin to the 25, to the 20, Gordon 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Wisconsin, record-breaking run, Melvin Gordon, 4-0-8. And while there are a lot of fantastic places all across our country to spend a fall weekend, if you were to ask me today if Madison, Wisconsin is the best of all of them, I would borrow from Bono and say, it was Saturday night. Sideline the front court. Snaps off another three. Booked it. Oh, my goodness. Don't wake him up. Taylor's on fire. Welcome to the Bucky Cast, a Badgers podcast by the fans, for the fans, and with the fans, where we will always turn our backs on Minnesota, where we will always appreciate that six foot four, 330-pound pulling guard, and where a 42-40 defensive slugfest in the Cole Center is not ugly. It's a defensive masterpiece in our eyes. Wherever you came from and however you found us, we hope you enjoy your stay. And on with Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bucky Cast. It is our Illinois Emotional Therapy Recap uh, Review. So it's uh, me and Justin today. John is fishing in the, I believe he said the Eagle River. I don't know if you caught that, Justin. I think he said Eagle River area. Okay, so John is fishing, which means he bailed on everybody. Um, so this is our opportunity to talk trash about him. Um, yeah, so Justin, how you doing, man? We're... About three hours uh, after the Illinois game wrapped up, Wisconsin won convincingly 24 to zero. But I think we both found maybe some things that we weren't overly thrilled with. How are you doing tonight, buddy? Um, I-, I was happy to see the offensive line look like it was significantly better all around. Like the pass protection was far better today. The the run prote- protection or the run game blocking was incredibly better than what it's been in the past. They moved people. I mean, when- Yep. And the, and the running backs were getting into the secondary and able to do some things. I mean, we're still struggling to really break big runs, but we're getting some larger chunk plays. Like we're, we're consistently hitting those five, six yard runs, which is something to go there. Well, let's, let's start on that. I think that's a good starting point. Let's start off with the rushing, rushing attack. Um, so one of the things I noted early in the game, and we sent this out on our Twitter, is there was a little bit more variety in a run game. The first drive was uh, there was a single back look, a, an I-form look. There was an outside zone, a pitch. There was an inside fullback dive. Um, it looked like the running game was a little bit more varied <coughs> today. Would you, would, your thoughts on that? you agree, disagree? Uh, yeah, we, we ran jet sweep, like what, four or five times this game? That we ran it what four or five times the entire season coming up to this. I mean, we've it's pretty clear we've needed more variety in there now. Whether or not that was a result of the blocking being a problem to begin with, where it's like let's just get right the plays we're trying to do that the staple the staples of the uh, the offensive sets that so we can you know work off of that. That could be I don't know, but it would the difference was jarring today. Now I realize we've had a far less talented team that we were playing against, which is why I don't get too ahead of myself with watching this. Illinois is not good. Anyone that wants to look at this game and think that this is a, you know, something to look forward to and say the, the run game's fixed or whatever. It's not, you know, we have, we averaged six yards of carry for these guys. We play a good team and it probably drops back down to about four or three high threes because it's, it's, you're not playing a lot of physical talent. Even this, Bielema this, would probably say that. This is this is what. So I, I agree with you on that. Um, you have to put everything into context of we we're playing Illinois, right? Which outside of that opening week against Nebraska, which is kind of a fluky win for them, have looked mostly terrible this year. However, I will say, and I, we have I have some issues I want to get to later, but I want to keep this part positive for me. 
this is what a run, a good rushing attack should look like against a bad team. Oh, so yeah. I want to give credit there. Um, both Malusi and Braylon Allen, who we need to talk about your boy Braylon Allen. But both those dudes <laughs> went over 100 yards. Both of them yeah. averaged six to seven yards per carry. And multiple Braylon deep Allen, 7.3. Plays. Yep. Yep. Um, big, big time effort from both those dudes. And and this is a big time rushing performance against a team you, that you should dominate. Uh, you know, it's not that we shouldn't celebrate this, but let's acknowledge the fact that this is what you should do against a bad uh, Illinois defense. And Wisconsin, at least on the ground, did that. Oh, 100%. I mean, the way I look at it is Illinois is a game we should expect to win. And Illinois is a game we should expect to dominate. I, You know, the talent difference there is significant. That's why in 2019, when we lost to them, it was such a, a big deal. It was like we got beat by a bad team. And there there was no other way to look at it that year was we got beat by a bad team. And to be quite honest... Yeah, this was a get right game from us for the standpoint as it's a confidence builder. And and we, you know, it was big for me to see Malusi kind of get his legs back under him again. I think he was kind of getting a little frustrated. And it was big for me to see Braylon Allen kind of show some of the things that I personally expected from him for the type of back that I was looking at. He's somebody who I I thought had this, I mean, this is the point I wanted to make in the preseason. I said it. He averaged 14 and a half yards per carry or whatever it was. That's unheard of. Like good running back recruits average 10 or 11 to average 14 tells you how much of a man child he was in high school where nobody could physically deal with him. So I felt that would translate well. Well, it, it translated well. He was punishing people today and it was pretty clear i mean he was racking up 10 yard carries here and there and then you know the last one he stiff arms a defensive tackle and takes off and breaks the corner and shows he's got some decent speed like he's not a guy who's gonna break an 80 yard run but i wouldn't be shocked to see him break a you know 30 or 40 yarders no especially at the college level like a four six five guys plenty good right like you don't have to be a burner Mm -hmm. at the college level to be if he drops a little weight too he might even get a little quicker than that. I mean, especially if they'll do, they'll do more. They'll do a lot I don't think more um, on that guy to drop. I'm just going to no, be honest. He's no, no. I mean, I think up. they may, they may have him lose some muscle because he might oh, be sure. a little tight. Sure. Um, that I, guy I looks like a bison back there. His, his thing with him is going to be stride work. They're going to work on maximizing his stride and getting the most power out of that stride for him running wise. And that's where so guys me, typically grab, you know, a 10th here and a 10th there. Let me, let me ask you this. So, I feel like this may have been the the turning point kind of in our backfield depth chart. So we didn't see Jalen Berger tonight. Um, you know, I I honestly, we have no idea why. Uh, Paul Christ was asked about this. He wasn't very specific. I think he's in the doghouse. Um, we haven't seen Julius Davis. We had two running backs dismissed. Um, is Braylon Allen the number two dude now going forward for the rest of the year? If he runs like this, yes. You can't, you can't can take t- him out of that role, right? Yeah, no. He is going to start pushing... I, I like the split between him and Malusi because they do different things. I do think that you have to get a heavy sprinkling of Braylon going forward just because he is so physical and punishing. He's a guy that linebackers are going to struggle with because he's big enough to actually bring it to them. Um, so I, I think that he that's the type of thing. Like that's what you remember John Clay when he had White yes. out there as a freshman defense has struggled to, to kind of corral him because of the fact that you get just mowed down by a guy who's 250 pounds. And then you'd have this little jitterbug guy who is dancing all over the place. It's just such a change. And uh, that's kind of what you're dealing up, with yeah. here. Yeah. 
So let's let's get into the other portion of the offense then. Let's talk passing offense. Um so this is actually where we we've had some discussions with some other Badger fans where maybe you and I are on the same page, but we diverge a little bit from maybe some other thoughts on this. We let me phrase this in a way I want to phrase this. Um you should never be upset with winning a Big Ten road game. Right? Like you want to you want a Big Ten road game, you shut a team out, you score 24 points. Like in all statistical areas, this was a pretty dominant performance. However, some of the issues that have plagued us and um, specifically the offense the entire season, namely the passing game and the turnovers, were still there. So how would you evaluate the passing game after after this performance? Was this a failure or was this just, um, I guess, just fine because of the team we were playing, we didn't need to throw the ball? It was a failure. There's no other way to look at it. Even the plays that – I mean, he was 10 of 19 – and it took a lot of work to get back to him having over 50% completion percentage, a lot of five yard or less throws. And he threw, like we talked about it earlier, he was three of nine for 15 yards and a pick in the first half. Like that's ridiculous. Like that should be a first quarter number. You know, I, I don't, I know we're not going to throw that much, but in a get right game like this, where you know that your passing game is a problem, I feel like it's, it it's makes no sense to not try to get some of these reps in where it's like we really need to be figure out ways to be more consistent in this. And I don't feel like we're doing that. Like there and there were plays to be had. Like there's no other way to look at it than these were these are failures by Graham Mertz. I'm gonna point out the, the line was good today. Third and goal where we ended up kicking the field goal on the first drive. There was a crossing route being run to the top of the screen. So effectively run run to his right that he completely just didn't even look at the guy and threw to the back of the end zone to DK on a play that was an extremely low chance of success. The other guy could have walked in. Legitimately, the backer lost him. He was two or three yards behind and like three yards behind him towards the goal line. So he basically would have rounded the corner without nobody touching him, walking into the end zone on the easiest throw that he had. So it's like, and it, it looked like a flood concept to the left. Like everyone was going left, and this guy was the only guy going right. So you'd think he'd be the primary receiver on that. But I don't know. I mean, it was frustrating to see that that misplay because it was like, man, there's a lot of garbage in the middle of the field. Look at the other guy to see if he's open. Well, great. I want you to grade it. What what would you grade the passing performance today at? I would say it's a D minus. I mean, yeah, it wasn't I'm... good. We it, we struggled. We had 19 attempts for 100 yards. That's insane. Yeah, and that, that's kind of where I'm at too because I also – listen, we talked about context with the rushing game. Context also matters with the passing attack. You're playing Illinois, and they're stacking the box, and you went 3-9 and nine in the first half. I mean, that's it, – it's – one of the, the, the tweets I sent out on our account was it's just disheartening. Like, it's disheartening to see the same issues with our passing attack. I mean, we can go back to what was an incredibly wide-open, easy walk-in pass to Jake Ferguson down the left mm-hmm. sideline that – I mean, underthrew him by ten yards. I've seen, I've seen. He you know, stopped back, and waited for the ball. I've seen running back passes. You know, a little halfback pass, uh-huh. and, and the running back gets more on that throw than Mertz mm-hmm. did. It was, it was one of the worst. Throws. And he had time. He had, tons he had of a time. lot of time. He threw that ball so short. And then we can also go back to the interception. Like DK had two steps on the corner. If he steps into that throw and drives it, mm-hmm. like that's that's a play to be made. Instead, he he he. It was like a pop up to the center fielder. There's, I mean. 
my grandpa could have got under that and picked that mm-hmm. off. Like it was up in the air for 13 seconds. It was ridiculous. And you, you want to watch one of the things that Tom Brady has done so well in his career. He really, truly gets everything out of his arm when he throws the ball deep. Mm-hmm. And he, he drives it. I remember the Randy Moss season when, when they had him and how he'd get open deep. And that was the one thing I, I remember watching is when Brady throws it deep, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a sky ball. He, he throws it hard and on a line and gets as much out of it as he can throwing it deep. And young quarterbacks, whether they're – I don't know if they're not comfortable with touch or what on it, but, man, some of these throws, like the Ferguson throw, that's as easy ridiculous. as it gets. Like that's a throw that a junior high school quarterback should be able to make. Yeah, you know, that that's a ridiculous take, not taking throw. into account distance. I mean, because Brady, we're talking the greatest quarterback of all time, but but some of these throws, any any reputable Division One quarterback oh, yeah. needs to make the quarterback at Marshall needs to make that throw. I mean, it's just I I think a D minus a D is a fair grade for that because there were there was just no real plays made and the first half was a total train wreck again. Like if you complete thirty three percent of your passes with an interception, you can't frame that in any well, other that's way. Enough. Like that's, that's enough, and that's the competitive part of the game because we pulled away a little bit in the second half. Like you, that's that's a straight disaster. Mm-hmm. The we didn't really talk about, but what would you grade the rushing attack? Um, <coughs> excuse me, I would probably make that an A minus. Um, I thought the run blocking was a lot better. I think that the the backs looked good. They didn't, you know, Malusi ran hard. Like he punished a few guys. Um, I will say this. I, it, we still are struggling to really break runs. Like, and that's one of the things that we were much better at in prior seasons where we get those 10 to 20 yard carries. We're, we're kind of hitting a lot more of the seven or eight, nine yard gut, you know, carries, but we're not really getting those big chunks. We're, we're not getting the defense necessarily uncomfortable or like messing with their head a little bit where, we've been good in the past where you start to get them to kind of, you know, feel like they can't stop you. And, uh, I thought a lot of that has to do with the passing game. Like there's, there's no fear there at all. Defense is effectively like we have nothing to worry about. Like if they're going to throw, it's going to be less than 10 yards anyway. So we're already in position. They're already stacking the box. Mm-hmm. Um, let's shift over to defense. I thought the defense was, especially the front seven was absolutely phenomenal again mm-hmm. today. I feel like it's a, it's a broken record with the front seven. Um, how many yards rushing did they have? Illinois finished with, uh, let's see, 26 rushing yards on two yards per carry. And this is a run, this is an Illinois team that's run the ball pretty and well. They had this a big year. run in there, too. That was, They had a 23 yarder and they finished with 26 <laughs> yards. I mean, this, this, listen, we talk about it every week. This is just banging the drum, but this front seven is like the Great Wall of China against the mm-hmm. run. Like they are absolutely. They incredible. are legitimately a championship level front seven. Yes, not like, a championship we, we, level defense necessarily, but a, yeah. definitely a championship level front seven. Like absolutely, mm-hmm. there was we're really starting to see the Leo Chanel f- effect right now. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a play he didn't actually make the play. It was my, one of my favorite plays of the game. Um, I think it was in the third quarter. Illinois had the ball. They ran something off off tackle. Leo Chanel flew in and nailed the lead blocker and knocked them back four yards. Like it was, it's, it was like a bowling ball, just knocking pins over. I mean, he is such a force of nature. Like I love our front seven, dude. Oh yeah. It, well, that's why I, like, I, I made the TJ Watt, like why I thought when I thought that he was going to be such an incredible player, how he knocked back the, uh, the tackle in the Michigan game when we were playing him that year and he just rocked the guy. And I'm like, that's how, you know, when a, a guy that that size has that physicality. Right. And Chanel's the same way. 
he, he has is. no problem. Like he he kind of revels in the idea of just leveling a lineman and just making them look stupid. He wants to do that. Um, he, I mean, he's let's be honest. He's he's our probably best chance at a top three round pick for a Badger player. Off this team, uh, that's a great question. Who else? Just a quick it's segue. Probably him or Sanborn. <laughs> and I think he's better than Sanborn. Um, I think it, physically he's got more tools than Sanborn does. I mean, maybe a guy like Henny or Benton is a third, fourth round type guy. Maybe Jake Ferguson is a third or fourth round type guy. Those are the only other guys that pop in my mind. His production. Ferguson's really getting hurt this year by Mertz's inability to throw. I think scouts will understand that, though. Like, he's still the same dude. I mean, he's had production in other years. This is just the worst so. passing attack in the history of Wisconsin football. I, I mean, I'm, that's hyperbole, obviously. I didn't live through the 80s, but. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've this is this is weight going back to, like, Samuel with the passing numbers. It's brutal. Where we're struggling to hit 100 yards passing. It's like, come on. And that's what frustrates me with this, is that it's like, we have these games where he's 14 of 17 for 140 yards. It's like, what? that tells me nothing. Like no. I, that doesn't mean anything. Like if you're every pass you're completing is seven yards. That's not like, there's no shock in there. Like you play a good defense. They're going to shut that stuff down. And that's kind of where we are right now with the passing game and why it's frustrating because you want to work on it, but you can't work on these ten yard routes because against good teams, the ten yard routes aren't going to be there unless they're going to they're going to start playing zone against you and just try to keep everything in front and make you nickel and dime them. They're not going to let you play this, and and Wisconsin doesn't have the receivers, quite frankly, to require them to play zone. They'll man up a lot of times and just say, "We'll take our chances." You're probably not going to beat us deep. Let's shift to um, the secondary for a second. We talked about the front seven, which is phenomenal as as it usually always is. Uh, more more pressure today too, by the way. Maybe we, actually let me let me do one more thing on the front seven because I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, Herbig and just how relentless he is off the edge. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's. I, I think tackles monster. have to absolutely hate dealing with him with how quick he is. Oh, there's the guy, right? Herbig's the guy that would challenge Chanel for the 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 best NFL prospect on the team. I think the issue is going to be with him is is projectable measurables um, and size. I think he, probably, I think that. Yep, that's that's exactly what I not what I mean. I think they'd like to see him an inch taller and about twenty pounds heavier. Sure, that's fair. <clears throat> What's fair? All right, let's talk about the secondary. Um, how many missed interceptions will we have this year before a safety picks off a pass? Will there be another two or three or four? Like I Colin Wilder dropped like one six today. Or seven. I mean, I it's it's so unbelievable. Well, Hicks, Hicks missed one. Hicks missed one, which would have been a pick he, six. Where he jumped the road. Yeah, it's easy. Yep. Like he's um, he Colin Wilder. Wilder had one in his hands on a ball that was thrown behind the receiver down the middle and dropped it. Um, and Herbig. then was it Herbig? Right, had almost had one too. Although that would have been a tougher catch, and he's a linebacker. I give him that. It one. was that throw got on top of him quick, so I understand. But still, that. like we had two, I would say relatively easy balls in the secondary. That once again, mm-hmm. like we just don't have that playmaker in the back end, mm-hmm. and it's the biggest weakness of this defense. I mean, we've talked about it. <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of shocking how tough we make it look to pick the ball off. Like I don't know about you, I never had a problem catching the ball. <laughs> no, just catch the ball. <laughs> Right, and the old the old adage that that's why they play defensive backs. But then you watch Iowa and they pick off five passes in a game, yeah. and it's like, well, those dudes can catch. Yeah. And, well, and then somebody, I, I saw somebody on one of the boards that I like to go to say, well, they have different uh, 
it require or uh, academic requirements. I'm like that has nothing to do with why no. Iowa has good corners. I'm like a lot of the guys that they recruit are similar to what we recruit. And Same catching the ball is not like an that. IQ thing. Yeah. Let's no, be real not. here. Yeah. You close the hands they're, on the ball. They are they're not getting more physically talented guys than what we have. No. I think they're just much better at picking the guys from a playmaking standpoint. And then maybe that's something that they make a bigger deal of. Well, we let's might be, be heavier on the coverage. Yeah. And like how how guys look in their their you know backpedal and stuff like that. And they may look at it and say, I want a guy who will attack the ball and come after and be a ball hawk. Well, and let's let's be fair too. Like Iowa has has a, a tradition now of churning out defensive backs, oh, yeah. sending guys to the NFL. Like there's a pedigree there <laughs> that for whatever reason, um, you know, I, we I have we have our pedigree spots. Out. It's coaching, it's recruiting, it's development, whatever it is, like we have our pedigree spots too, but Iowa has this lapped in the defensive backfield mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I don't I don't know exactly what it is. It's a combination of things, I'm sure. But um, it is frustrating to see our defensive backs unable to to hit the kill switch, right? To to land the knockout oh, yeah. blow where other teams have done that to us. Well, it's, it's 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 hurt us this year because from a momentum standpoint, those are big plays, right? I mean, you look at it and it's a it's an opportunity for the defense to make a big play that helps. Not only it, it, it takes some of the wind out of the other team's defense right off the bat because it's a big play where it swings things. And, you know, it's also a play where you're putting it kind of in the, the offense's head too. So you're demoralizing the entire team opposite. Whereas a sack, yeah, it can be a big deal, but it's not it's not necessarily the same thing as, you know, especially if you can get it on their side of the field, mm-hmm. which just- is exactly what we're doing. We're, we're playing into it. Like it's yep. – it's, it's amazing our defense plays as well as it does, given how they have to feel hung out to dry so much. Well, just to put it in reference, uh, coming into this weekend's games, the stats will update after, um, obviously, the weekend isn't over yet. We're recording this at you know 8.30 Central Time. Um, but Wisconsin is 97th in the country in interceptions. You know, that puts us in – It's so. this is what I'm talking about. It's so weird because in so many defensive categories, we're top 10, top 5. We're getting pressure on the quarterback. We stop the running game, which if you stop the running game, that means you put teams in bad positions where they have to throw against coverages. They have to throw against pass rush. For some reason, we just can't make them pay, even despite all those advantages. It's really wild. And some of it's just bad luck, by the way. Like Luck factors into turnovers, but some of it is you have to catch the ball. <laughs> You know, it's, it's it's really wild how bad we've been at converting um, opponents' tough passes into turnovers. Well, I mean, the, and the turnovers is one thing. The other thing that I want to say is our corners are getting a little grabby. Yes. And it's it, that's something that they need to be careful with because we're, we're effectively, it's against a team like Illinois that we're dominating, don't give them second chances by giving them a 15-yard penalty or a spot foul first, free first down. Um because pass interference is like these these guys aren't going to blow you up. Just you know, don't don't do stupid things. I wonder if that's we the were coaching bad philosophy, from a penalty though. standpoint. Like I wonder well, if it's yes. just the coaching philosophy. Like they're not going to call everything. Leonard, 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 no, Leonard is. Yeah, he is a proponent of the be physical. And he's, he's got. I know they're taught a lot of tricks in terms of how to like don't extend your arms and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But be, be get your hands in there and you know get a little grabby. And the, the Green Bay Packers are, play that way too. A lot of NFL teams do. Um, where they want their corners kind of being, you know, bending the rules, so to speak. And let's be honest, they're they're breaking them. But the game is pretty heavily against the de- defense at this point. It, oh, it's incredibly hard to play defense at any level. Um, let me let me shift into um, some bigger picture stuff, and we'll wrap up on that unless you have anything else. Because we kind of talked offense, defense. Um, give me your player of the game. 
player of the game, um, <sighs> not Braylon Allen. <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, you can use Braylon Allen. I'm totally good with it. Um, no, let me let me give it a shot here. God, it was tough. It has to be Malusi almost because from an offensive standpoint, those are the two guys that effectively carried the entire offense. How about his run near the goal line where he just barreled over that defensive back? <laughs> like Malusi's not a big dude, but he puts his shoulder. Yeah, he took down. that hit. I was shocked that he stayed on his feet. The the one the 15 yard touchdown run. He, runs he took physical. that hit from the side, and it was yeah. like I was expecting him to to lose his footing and and at least fall into the end zone. Instead, he kind of kept going. I was like, "All right, you're impressing me." He is. He's he's proving why he's a four star back. Like I don't. I don't. And he's he's. We look at him as one of those guys. He's legitimately a a fringe four star guy. Like he doesn't have breakaway speed. He's a guy you look at and he's like. If he maximizes everything he does, he could find his way into the NFL. It's probably a late round pick guy, um, especially if he he can be you know a guy who shows third down abilities. Um, I don't think he's he's definitely not a top round guy because he just doesn't have the speed or power or you know things that you look at. But he's got a lot of other little things that he does well, and those are the things that you know you don't necessarily get no coming into school with a lot of the other guys that are three stars. And what a pickup, by the way, because we're going to have him for a while. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Malusi's a redshirt sophomore, correct? If I'm right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, theoretically, Malusi's going to be here for two more years after this. Like, that's yeah, a huge running, pickup. The running back room is going to be very interesting. I, I I don't know anything internally, but I could see some some shaking up happening in there in the next. Oh, I, I'll just go out on a limb because Justin's, or sorry, John's not here. And John is the one that always cuts me off from going out on a limb. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but I think I think Davis and Berger are going to transfer. Like I think they're both going to leave, and we lost yeah. Acker and we lost uh, Roberts. Like, or not Acker. Sorry, we lost um, Crawford and Roberts. Like it's there's a there's a potentially a lot of transition from this area. And I think next <laughs> recruiting cycle, you got to get two backs. Oh, like yeah. you got to go out and get two dudes. Oh yeah, right? and they they need to find a way to kind of get this. Was it Jaden Ott? Yeah, Ott is coming for the Nebraska game. I forget nope, which the one. Army game. He's coming Army game. Army. Okay, you know, four so, star back. So he's a kid that, <clears throat> and a different skill set yet, even more so. We're talking about the jitterbug back. He's more that type of guy. He's a guy with acceleration and quickness that we don't really have a lot of. So they definitely could use that. Because that if, if you're thinking of optimal pairing with a guy like Allen, that is exactly what you want. Yes, You I want agree. somebody that, that makes the defense's feet go from trying to worry about coming up and hitting to having to be light on their feet and adjust and come after a guy. And that's the type of guy that makes you miss because your feet are in quicksand because you got so used to trying to come up and pop someone. All right, let me give you this one. Let's keep it. Let's keep it mostly Illinois here. Um, coming into this game, had and and leaving this game, has your impression of Wisconsin's football team this year changed significantly, one way or the other? Or are you still pretty much in the same boat? Beating Illinois, um, while great, just doesn't really change the needle for you on where the season's going. I'm glad we got the win because my view on this was is this becomes a lost season entirely if they lose it somehow. Um, but no, this is a game I expect we sh- this I expect us to win even in our bad seasons. Illinois, Purdue, you know, Rutgers, even uh, even with Rutgers, the better Rutgers, yes, yes. Rutgers, Nebraska. For whatever reason, they play us tough at times. So they they're a team that I could see if we're bad. Us, us losing by a field goal to them. And 
you know, I like to say Minnesota is a game we should we should win, but I when we're playing poorly, it's I don't I'm not one of those people that views that as that's a foregone conclusion because it's like they are competent enough that they can bite us if we play stupid. And this team is playing stupid a lot this season. Would it surprise you if we went into a game like that and Mertz throws three picks and throws us right out of the game? Not in the least. Not with this team, unfortunately. Yeah, let me let me give you another one here. So this one tripped me up, but this so this is <coughs> this is a one where I, I understand where Chris is coming from, but I hate the the thought behind it. So right before the half, we're getting the ball after halftime. Illinois punts. We get the ball at the let's see. The 12-yard line is first and 10 with two minutes and five seconds left, three timeouts. We run, run, pass, run, and run out oh, the I half. called this. You and I were talking about it during the – we were texting during the game, and I said – we he called timeout on third – what was it, after third down? Yes, for Chris Illinois. Did? Well, for Illinois, so he he basically forced a timeout. He didn't call timeout, but he um, declined the penalty so Illinois would have to punt essentially. So they punted to us. The issue I have is with two but minutes he called left, timeout on that. Didn't no, because we had all three timeouts. No, no, he, that's he, what I said. That's what it was. He declined. Yep. He declined the penalty, so they would have third down. And I said, "What is the point of you declining this unless you plan on actually pushing the ball?" Which he never does before a half, ever. Exactly, and that's but, that's the point that I made on it. I'm like, this is this is just stupid. Just take the ten yards because you're not going to be aggressive with it anyways. But here's the question I have. So, like, clearly in this game, right? Like, Paul, and this is the issue I have with Paul Chris that other people don't necessarily agree with me on. In this game, I totally get it. If your whole purpose in life is, let's say this was a Super Bowl for some weird, weird friggin' reason, right? Like it was Wisconsin, Illinois for the college football national championship in some parallel world. Yeah, in that scenario where this is all that matters, sure, I get run out the clock, punt, because Illinois is not going to score. But this is not all that matters. Like your team has to get better at being able to move the ball. And to mm-hmm. just waste an opportunity like that, to me, feels it feels like you're giving up chances to get better. Like I, at some point you're going to need to score with two minutes left before half. And if you've never done it because you run out every situation, like I don't know another coach who would have here's, two minutes left on the clock and run out the clock out. Here's, before the half. here's the deal that what, what frustrates me so much with Chris is there's a complete lack of aggression. Like there is no wanting to stomp on the other team's throat at all in his coaching. And it's so frustrating because yes. it has hurt us so many times. Yes. Or he refuses to actually get aggressive, and it's like, this is why we we end up blowing games or having bad things happen because you don't want to push the lead. And what ends, what ends up happening? We get cute. We're up ten points. An interception or a turnover happens, and suddenly it's down to three. And then we end up losing a stupid game that we should never have even been close in because you didn't want to be aggressive and take chances and and roll with your offense when it was clicking. So you just took it straight out of them. Doesn't it feel like he got in a time machine with Marty McFly from like the eighties? Like football isn't played like this anymore. Like you have to be able to throw the ball a little bit. You and just have to have some level of, of of aggression or killer in you if you want to be an offensive coach. Because otherwise yeah. the defense is dictating everything. Yep. We are not in the date and time where you can go out there and just run it down the other team's throat if they're a good team anymore. So you and it I just are, does not happen. You and I agree. Are, are in agreement on that. Although we both also acknowledge the fact probably that in this game against this particular Illinois team, it doesn't matter, but there's an no, overall it doesn't theme. matter, but that's the problem. It doesn't matter. You can win this game doing whatever the heck you want. So you might as well so try. Just, yes, exactly. And there's also if, an overall ha- you have, trend here with Chris. This is what he does before yeah. every halftime. Mm-hmm. He runs the ball out. 
But but my point with what that is this: if you end up trying to pass the game to try work on the passing game, you throw a couple of picks and say you get down seven to nothing, then start leaning on the running game. Just do it. You you know you can dominate with the run. What does it hurt to try and make an effort to work on these things? Like I get that the running game has been a problem too, but I think that we gain more by the passing game getting better and loosening things up with the way the defense has to play us than we do from being a competent run team. Because what we're learning is that it doesn't matter how easy the defensive the, the defensive backs are playing us, which is almost always man single high safety. It doesn't matter. We can't exploit it. We we haven't been able to exploit it since what 2010 and 2011. It's been a while. Yeah, I mean Stave did some when he had Eberdaris, like they threw some deep behind the defense. But no, it's been a while since we've been consistently able to exploit yeah. that type of defense face. I mean, Eberdaris ran wild doing that. Like, give me. Um, I know. Sorry, I was gonna say give me to finish up on Illinois here. Um, give me a big takeaway if you have one. Is there is there some big takeaway that you want to to add to this recap? <laughs> Just that Braylon Allen needs to be one of the top two backs. I, I think he proved today that he he brings something different and something that it what we're struggling with now is physicality in the run game to an extent. And if the run if the line's not going to block for him anyways, at least he's somebody who can make something out of nothing. And I don't think any of the other backs that we have can. Like, and you were right. I got to give you credit on that one. I I was more down on Braylon Allen coming into this year, not because I thought he couldn't be a dude. I just thought coming in at 17, it's, it'd be really tough oh, yeah. on him, but you were, you were hyping that train well before. Um, he's, he's a monster. He looks like, I'll give you one. Like I'm a baseball fan as well. He looks like one of those dudes like from the Caribbean who says they're 17. So he can get signed <laughs> to a big deal. But turns out he's 27. Right. What, well, like we all thought with Pujols, but it would, it apparently wasn't accurate. Right. Like <laughs> he, he came like in a, as a rookie and he looks like he's 37. That dude can't be 17. He cannot be. He's incredible, man. Um, so, no, that's a great takeaway. The, the rise of Braylon Allen is one of, the, obviously, the huge takeaways from this game. Um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. We overmatched an Illinois team. A, a road win in the Big Ten is always a big deal. But I think we both agree the passing game is still, frankly, disastrous. Um, so, on to Army next weekend. Um, you got anything else for, for this one, Justin? Anything else you want to throw in? Um, Regarding Army. No, I mean, they, they just need to do what they did this week, effectively. I'd like yep. to see more passing. <laughs> I don't think ne- neither of us are going to. Um, I titled this podcast for Ryan and I for coming in. It is, it's entitled, It Is What It Is. It is and that's exactly is. what it is. It is what it is. We're not going to see passing. It's going to be somewhere between 15 and 20 attempts and probably between 100 and 150 yards passing. And we'll probably run for 300 yards against Army. Yep. And we'll win. And again, like, I don't, I really don't want to minimize the fact that, like, a win is a big deal. Like, everyone matters. You beat, you beat a team, it's a big deal. No, we need them. But I, I just, just, this is not helping us get better for if we I, have to play a decent team. Right. I think we were both hoping to see some growth in the areas that have plagued the team this year. Like, the areas that have plagued the team have been the turnovers and the passing game, quite frankly. And neither of those showed up today. Again, we lost a turnover battle. We again lost like a penalty a- battle, and the passing game is still a disaster. Like, so we're not getting better in the areas that have cost us against the good teams, I, which is. The I problem. just feel like it's a coaching failure. Like, you know what your inadequacies are, yet you completely refuse to 
to actually work on them. Like it's like what what is what is your goal here? Like your whole goal should be to get better. All right. So why are you ignoring the things that are a problem? Well, let me play devil's advocate for one second. Um, despite the fact that you and I are kind of on the same page with this, it could be that behind the scenes, Paul Chris just realizes Graham Mertz is a disaster. Like he, this is not the dude. Chase Wolf is not the dude. And at the end of the day, we're just not going to be able to throw the ball this year, period. And no amount of game reps is going to change that. It's possible. Yeah, that, that could be. I mean, this this is exactly why when it happened, I was very upset with us skipping QB for a year for recruiting. Because as much as I loved the idea of Mertz coming in, I did not like the idea that you're pinning all your hopes on that being a, a win. Because you never know. Never know. And that's exactly it. What's the, what's the kid for at Nor- Northwestern? Oh, Justin. No, 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 no. The quarterback. Hunter. Hunter Johnson, the five-star. Hunter, that used Hunter to go Johnson. To Clemson. Was a, was a five-star. Five-star. He's And he's terrible. terrible. <laughs> and that's that, that's exactly the point I'm making, is you have no clue when it comes to these quarterbacks of who's going to play out. Sam Howell, I remember watching the Elite 11. He actually played pretty well there. But nobody was looking at him as the top kid. I think he had a really good week there where they looked at him and they said, I think he was one of the top guys in terms of how they finished grading him. But he wasn't somebody that they looked at and were like, this is the guy who's going to be the stud. Spencer Rattler was the guy that they named their top guy out of that group. Um, no, but that's I, the thing. I agree with you, man. You, you should take a quarterback every single year. Um, Sometimes take two. If you get a more yeah. unheralded guy, then you take your chances and just say numbers. It's like running back. It's like you never know with a running back. There's a reason why we have guys from mid-Tennessee State that come out in our NFL players who rush for a couple thousand, you know, have a couple thousand yard seasons in there. It's like they de- all develop decent or differently. Sometimes a guy who is an absolute beast when he's in high school just doesn't have it once he gets to the higher talent level. Well, let's 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 wrap this Illinois one up. Um we'll be back next week. I think we might get in some basketball actually. Yeah, maybe like basketball practice has started. The season's coming up yeah. as amazing as it is. Um, Unfortunately, not until the beginning of November do they have a game against some tiny college like Brooklyn of. Yeah, something. But yeah, well, St. Francis or something of Brooklyn. Yep. Which is in Madison. Um, so I think maybe coming up this week, we'll definitely do a little look into the Army game. Um, some news and notes, which we always do. And maybe we'll start if basketball coverage doesn't start this week, we'll start in the next couple of weeks to start kind of giving that to you guys. Um, so thank you for everyone who's listening. Um, we really appreciate all the support. Some of the, you know, we've seen more and more views and more and more listens. So, I mean, that's humbling and that's awesome. And we really appreciate everybody. Um, 24, nothing Wisconsin beats Illinois. Uh, Justin, you got anything else? Nope. That's it for me. All right, guys on Wisconsin. And we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Bucky cast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time on Wisconsin.